0: Well, guys, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen you last Sunday, (laughs) and a lot has happened on our our planet. So uh, the only thing that I want to say about uh, election proceedings and what's going on is let's really pray that uh, whatever direction this goes, I know news media has called this and and everything, but uh, there's revealed a tremendous amount of... uh, falseness behind it, which uh, I felt was the what would happen. As a result, you vilify uh, someone to no end, and then people that are counting votes feel compelled to do something to equal the scales out. So there's some of that stuff that's going to the courts and all that kind of stuff. So I think the important thing for us to recognize is that whoever wins in this election, though the media may have called it at this point, uh, Would would do so with with a fair in a fair manner because what it tends to do when there is unfairness in situations like that is it 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 makes people who would have voted another way give up like they don't have uh, their vote doesn't really count what we want to come out of this with is is the understanding that everybody had a chance to speak uh, every voice was heard and this is the decision and, and everybody can live with that. Everybody can live with that. when No matter which way elections go, but uh, what what can't be is uh, when people feel like that they have worked hard, voted, and then someone else uh, erased their vote. And so uh, let's pray for our nation. Uh, we have seen this coming for decades. Uh, the corruption throughout our nation, and of course, it's a there's a sin is is. What's behind the scenes on all of this? But it seems like through um, more recent elections, it's just crescendoed to uh, an incredible level. So let's pray that God would be glorified. He's in charge. It really doesn't matter who's sitting in the White House or who's sitting uh, at the castle of the king <laughs> in various nations. God is the one that's, that's in charge, and we put our hope and our trust completely in Him. But we do want to see. Uh, things fair and just in our nation and prayer is what will change that you know prayer will change that situation we always overestimate what we can do i'm not against if you want to go march and be in protest anywhere for anything right if you feel that's what you know god is laying on your heart to do uh, i would never discourage you from uh, from doing uh, you know civic duty standing up and and letting your voice be heard right but we always overestimate what that's going to accomplish, and we underestimate what prayer will accomplish. So I want to call you to prayer. Uh, we have had this going on. We don't emphasize it, and so people tend to forget, but noon every day, would you set your alarm at noon every day on your phone? Go off and at least give God 10 to 15 minutes, and let's pray. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for whoever is going to be leading our nation. and. Uh, you know the uh, the Congress, the Senators, the President, and let's lift them up. And we can all live with a with a fair election once everything is said and done and the dust settles. Uh, everybody can can live with that, and uh, that's the way that that we want things to be. So let's pray together about that, and and put that first and foremost in our minds. So for all three people that wanted to hear my wisdom on the issue, you have now heard it. Mom, you heard me. So. <laughs> and then go and do what you feel God calls you to do. Uh, we love you guys, and uh, so we we know that you know things like this will. There'll be people encouraged, people be discouraged. We just want you to know that that God is is on the throne. He's in charge. He's going to do some great things. I love the season that we're in. It's Thanksgiving. It's a season of gratitude. Uh, Jake will be telling you a little bit later. Every Uh, Thanksgifting now, we do our telethon that's coming up uh, the next Wednesday, and so we want to encourage you to tune into that and be a part of that. Come here and be here live. It's so much fun. Uh, There's all kinds of cool things that happen as a result of that, but he'll talk a little bit about that after service, but thanksgifting is our opportunity to turn our eyes towards God and towards our fellow man and express the gratitude of what we have, what God has given us and how God has blessed us. We have three uh, valid, uh, valuable ministries that we're focusing in on, Feed the People. Again, Kristen Alvarez, uh, such a great job they're doing with the homeless in Austin and providing not only food, but clothing and shoes and everything else. And so we're uh, we're doing that. This is our season of giving outside of ourselves. You know, we thank you for your tithe and offering, and we need that to support us on a weekly basis, monthly basis, to pay all the bills. But this is an over and beyond offering that we give outside to ministries that are doing a great job. There's another um, a reservation, Native American reservation, that needs our help. Uh, this year, it's up in White Mountain, Apache, a uh, reservation that has need of a sound system. And they heard we did such a great job <laughs> when we were working in the Mojave Desert with the Native Americans there. And so they've asked, uh, can we help them? We're like, well, sure, we can, we can, we can help you out. And so uh, it, it would be great. I, I, had a, I saw a little clip of them and the guy screaming in a megaphone. I thought, that can't happen. We, <laughs> we, <laughs> we have to get them a little sound system. So um, we want to do that. Uh, with this year, with the offering. And then Lost and Found is a ministry in Chiapas, uh, Mexico, that uh, has um, a direct uh, effect on uh, kids that are abandoned and uh, kids that have been abused. And they have a ranch that they're, uh, they house the kids, they feed the kids, they put them in school, they take care of medical needs, and uh, they're doing an awesome job. I know Bill and Tammy. I grew up with Bill, he was uh, one of my best friends. Uh, growing up, when we lived in Miami, Arizona, and God has used him so greatly. I've told you the story before of when he and <clears throat> Tammy were in Romania, and um, another time we'll share that story again. But uh, we brought some some gifts. They were working with an orphanage there. They've taken all their experience and uh, you know um, excellence of of ministry to Chiapas, Mexico, in 1993. Started this work on an acre of land, and God has just blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. And so they have some particular kinds of needs we'd like to try to, to help out with. Uh, last year, we were able to help them with overage that you gave. Uh, someone stole the water pump on one of the facilities there, and so they had no water for the kids. And we were able to help them. They were they had a shortfall, about $250 on that, and we were able to provide that because you gave above and beyond during Thanksgiving. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we want to focus on that again, uh, our gratitude. So we're looking at uh, this uh, particular Thanksgiving. We're talking about putting God first and the first, living uh, with Him as first in our lives. And so today we're going to look at first fruits. And we're in uh, the 2nd Corinthians, if you'd like to, or 2nd Chronicles, I'm sorry, 2nd Chronicles, chapter 31, beginning at verse 2. Second Chronicles chapter 31 beginning at verse 2 and we'll look at that together. And Hezekiah appointed the division of the priests and the Levites according to their division, each man according to his service, the priests and Levites for burnt offerings and peace offerings to serve, to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. The king also appointed a portion of his possessions for the burnt offerings, for the morning and the evening burnt offerings, the burnt offerings for the Sabbath and new moons and set feasts, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites, that they might uh, devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought the abundance, the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the produced in the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, and the tithe of holy things that was consecrated to the Lord their God, and laid them in heaps. I want you to listen to this. In the third month, they began laying them in heaps and they finished in the seventh month. Four months it took them to take all the gifts and put them in heaps. Probably like all of the, uh, the finance part, the gold and silver and whatever, uh, all of the clothing, all of the grain, all of the, you know, whatever, uh, the 10% of all of the things that the people were bringing in. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. And then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And uh, Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, now listen to this, this is important too, since the people began to bring the offering into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. Heavenly Father, we're asking you to open our hearts and minds to your word today. Fix us on what you want to say and what you want to do in our hearts and lives individually. That we might be, Lord, a part of the living, breathing church of Jesus Christ, accomplishing your purpose and your mission here on earth for the time that we are here. Let us follow you in complete obedience and not waver in any way. And let us see the example through what we're reading and studying today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. One of the questions that, uh, probably one of the top questions that I have gotten asked over my lifetime in ministry, after the question of uh, how did you get so handsome is, (laughs) light laughter. (laughs) Probably one of the primary questions is, you know, uh, is what, you know, what do you, what do I do for a living? You know, they, they cannot imagine that a pastor would have a full-time job in studying and preparing a message, right? And that's true. There are no full-time jobs for studying and preparing a message. A good friend of mine and and a pastor uh, was for a number of years uh, up at GT Austin, Kermit Bell. He and I went to Bible school together, and now Kermit is uh, assistant superintendent for the North Texas District and leads uh, a lot of pastors and, and, uh, and, and churches. But he once said to me, he and I were having a conversation, and he once said to me, I prepare a term paper every week, and it's due on Sunday. And uh, so there is a lot more to preparing sermons, side sourcing, and uh, you know trying to prepare a a well-defendable presentation uh, every every particular Sunday. But that certainly is not going to take up all of a pastor's time. Uh, So a pastor, in especially in smaller communities, as as Robert was talking about, take on even more of a role of uh, everyday. Uh, kind of things that need to be done. You know, we have uh, his dad and I probably have, you know, cleaned our share of bathrooms and toilets and all that kind of stuff. And so there's there's a a, a whole list of things that, that pastors can do. But I've divided it up into three categories that help me kind of see clearly about and try to spend particular amounts of time in, in those particular areas. Sometimes more you have to over the course of a week or a month and sometimes less depending on the season, Right. So, the first side of it would be uh, the pastors are, you know, the corporation side of it. So, there are legal uh, tax forms to be filed, compliance legal statutes, uh, training team members to comply with regulations. We, It's on us to train our teachers how to, to uh, you know, to respond legally to particular kinds of issues. There's things that they need to know and understand. Uh, about what we can and can't do and, you know, how we put uh, two, two teachers in every classroom. It's important so that one has to take a child to the restroom. The, the, other, the room will be staffed. Someone is there to kind of watch things. So there's aspects of that. There's fiscal accountability, bookkeeping, uh, bill paying, accurate uh, corporate records keeping, budgeting. Uh, Asset management, you know, building improvements that need to be made, repairs, uh, grounds, maintenance, safety, and compliance issues, uh, insurance compliance. So there are things that we've had to do, and you've seen them. Uh, Maybe you haven't noticed the detail of them, but sometimes the fire inspectors will come in here and say, you know, uh, it it frustrates us uh, sometimes the things that come back. But... There is now a push bar on that door that exits out there. That was about $950 worth of a push bar. And uh, there's another one over here. And uh, those are things that periodically the fire inspectors will come in and say, okay, you know, and uh, this is what you have to do. And you may see around the building, there's one there in the back, and then there's one up here in the front. Uh, fire extinguishers, you may need to put me out when I'm on fire. Right? Okay. Man, Pastor, you were on fire today. I almost put you out. My jokes are just not going over very well (laughs) today. So corporation side, yes, there's a lot involved in in the corporate side. Pastors need to know, and it's funny, you know, you would be surprised how much legal is involved in in your training as a pastor. There's a lot of that that goes on. And then your insurance, uh, they offer almost every other month to send you for free to another seminar or training or an online thing that you can watch, uh, and it's good because things change all the time uh, in the legal world, and we need to know about it. So that's part of the role of a, of a pastor. The second uh, C letter, these are all Cs. Uh, so Corporation Cause is the next one, and cause has to do with uh, the mission uh, that, of the church. So um, I am, as a pastor, or any pastor, would be called to lead... Uh, in carrying out the biblical mission to recruit, to, to train, to empower members to fulfill the mission that God has, has given us to reach the lost. Uh, preaching is a part of that as well. The whole counsel of God to equip members to grow uh, in Christ and be able to be disciples and disciple others in Christ. Uh, organi- organizational strategy, you know, the congregational uh, spiritual growth and development plan, media classes and so on and so forth. It uh, you know, or fall into the category of the cause. And and so, you know, you might not seem like it, but we do think through and, and pray over the calendar year. And so these things aren't just popping up that it's Thanksgiving season. This is a, a particular strategy and it's a part of, of embedding in you the importance of gratitude and being grateful and being a giver and all those kinds of things. So uh, that's the cause side. Community is, is, uh, is a big part of, of every pastor's job. Community is all of us, right? All of us together. So pastors have to help organize benevolence. There's always needs. Uh, you're not always uh, aware of everything uh, that is going on with your brothers and sisters. And we become aware in the office sometimes because some people tell us or sometimes because we get calls and we find out, Uh, there's particular kinds of needs so we're particularly interested in our congregation and and the kinds of needs that they have and there are times that they have uh you know emergency needs and as we've gone through this uh pandemic you know we have uh taken groceries and we have helped with uh you know uh, bills and things that may arise for people that they just couldn't meet because they were out of work or whatever and and so there is that side of it. There's biblical counseling. Biblical counseling would include premarital counseling, but it also would be marriage counseling or you know crisis situations, and it's from a biblical perspective. We are not saying we're psychologists. We refer out. We have a very very good uh, Christian counselor, and and uh, there's a psychologist in that office as well. So we can we can send you if if. It goes beyond just the biblical side of counseling and encouragement and and ministry and prayer in your life to someone that will help you move forward in your life in in those areas. Uh, Of course, uh, pastors get to marry people. That's fun. I love that. And getting life started, and so it's always fun to to be a part of marrying uh, a couple that has been brought together by God. It's just a blessing. Uh, funerals are not a fun part, uh, but you get your share of those, and uh, so that that happens. And sometimes it happens, and you don't even know it here because it's not anybody in our congregation, but it's somebody who knows someone in our congregation who knew me. I, I'll give you some examples. So we um, we had uh, a, a situation where uh, someone had uh, passed away and knew someone here, and they had no one to do the officiate deal and ask me to go and do that we also had someone uh here who uh whose brother passed away and didn't have a home church and uh so i went drove a distance from here to go and do uh that funeral i've done them all over uh i learned a lot about texas since we've moved here (laughs) and um then there's hospital visits pastors do hospital visits I, i really love hospital visits it's uh it's really special. I I don't like it that you're in the hospital, but for me, it's uh, the, the look on people's face when they see a pastor walk in. You know, it's, it's very encouraging uh, for them and for me. And uh, it just seems like that it's, I get to kind of represent the presence of God coming into their situation when they feel very poorly and, and very bad or getting ready for surgery and they're anxious. And we always go in, in advance when we know someone having surgery a serious issue and we stand with them and pray with them and so, many times i've just uh, michelle and i've set out in the lobbies as while the surgery is going on and just waited for the uh the doctors to come back and tell the family how things went so um that's that's something that's a part of a pastor's portfolio and we we love it you know we we love helping in that capacity uh fellowship and activities calendar uh you know we just came through our 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 harvest festival man that was so much fun guys i really enjoyed hanging out with you and uh that was really a great time we haven't we have a couple more coming up so be watching for that but we have uh, as far as here in in particular there are three calendars i look at some of you are business owners you're doing the same kind of thing there's uh, my personal calendar there is the church calendar here which is is prioritized uh, for us but uh, Concordia has a calendar, and they're all like, I can turn these things on, and there isn't any room on my calendar to look at anything. Right? I mean, they're just every day is filled with something, and I have to be able to to kind of watch uh, for the school not to conflict with us and try to keep our things ahead. It's changed our life when they moved here. We've we've had to you know, reorder the world and set aside rooms and buildings and things like that, and challenge at times when there's conflicts and. And uh, we have uh, sometimes moved so they could be somewhere and they have moved so we could be somewhere. And uh, so it's been it's been a good experience. But those are some of the kinds of things that were involved in conflict resolution inside community. There's always a need for that kind of stuff going on. And then the social media side of it is sending out the message that we have as a church and as a people outside. So I know you're just fascinated uh, by my work but and you get a picture of a little bit of snapshot but i want to tell you about it is that i love it i love every minute of it i love uh you know there there are some real challenges but i, I love what god has called me to do and every day is a different day there are no two days that are just alike so it's uh, it's a lot of fun but above all i think and first and foremost as a pastor you know my responsibility is to keep you focused on jesus you continue to see him, and you see, you honor him, and you, gl- you glorify him. And so that's something that I, I love to do, is to point to Jesus and, and see all of our congregation worshiping him and, and loving on him. In our text, as we begin to read, there was the word in the opening, appointed, which is an important word, and it's used two different times early in the text. And uh, the first was an appointment of people, right? Right? And uh, so it's specifically talking about the priests and Levites in the text, but I want you to think about it in terms of all of us have been appointed by God where God has us and where God is, is leading us, right? In your particular job or or career calling, but also here as members of this congregation, there's appointed works that we do. And it's so important that we understand that and that we respond to that. Now, in the particular case of the priests and Levites, they were appointed to do burnt offerings, peace offerings, to serve, to give thanks to God and to praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. That's right out of our text. I'm not... Uh, you know, just uh, summarizing, but the, the second appointment, possession um, the, of, of fruits that were uh, given to, to God for the house of the Lord. That's the second appointment is all of us have an appointment to give. So the first appointment was a por- the appointment of personhood and calling to serve and to do what God's called me to do with my gifts, my time, and my talent you know uh, but the second is uh, the the responsibility that we have as a community with our treasure to give and with our our knowledge and our abilities to give and to share and to to be a part of the solution in our world rather than just a part of the problem right so that second appointment uh, has to do with the first fruits and that's what I want, to, uh, I want you to see as we go through this text today. The king also appointed a portion of his possessions for burnt offerings, for the morning and evening burnt offerings, burnt offerings for the Sabbath and for the new moons, the set feast as it is written in the law of God. So the first thing that happens here is that the king says, we're all appointed to be givers. And uh, so he just starts passing the offering plate, right? No, the first thing that happens is he says, we're all appointed to be givers. I'm going to lead the way. And so he takes right out of his own possessions and begins to lay them down as an example and begins to show and demonstrate what it means to be a giver, what it means to give your first and your very best fruits. And then it says that, moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute, support the priests and the Levites, that they may devote themselves to the law of the Lord. So he first is setting the example. And that becomes then the platform for him to speak into the life of the congregation and say, I'm doing it, and so now I'm asking you to do it. It's not something that I'm just saying, do as I tell you. There's something that's saying do as I do. I'm leading the way. We are all appointed. We're all appointed to serve and we're all appointed to give. We cannot do one at the expense of the other. There's no trade off. We're appointed to both serve, give of our time and give of our talents, but we're also appointed to give, to pull out of our treasury and to give in support of what God is doing and, and how God is leading. Now, a little background on Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a he was a good king, uh, and uh, even though his father had been a wicked king, Hezekiah was a good one. And so under the reign of Hezekiah, the people brought back, uh were brought back into to kind of one nation under God. They remember there was the split, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And, uh, you know, Judah was one place, Israel's another. And so there was a uniting under Hezekiah. He invites them back. And, and so not everybody that he invited back came back. Some of them laughed it off and said, you know, uh, we're just going to, we, we're doing fine without God. We're gonna. But the people who came back saw an incredible revival and abundance. And I, I really think it's important for us to understand that, that what Isaiah was saying there was that, hey, look, The people are obeying God and God is blessing them. God's blessing their ministry. God's blessing their business. God's blessing their their careers and their callings. So when I turn around uh, to to, set in heaps what they have already brought, they're bringing more because God has blessed them and that first fruits off of the more of what what is happening and what, what they're bringing into life. Now, the key... Is to Hezekiah's success as a a reign uh, as a king, the key, uh, underlying key to how he was successful as a king and and brought Israel back together and saw the great things that he that we're talking about this morning is found in in uh, chapter in verse twenty one the same chapter there. Look down at verse twenty one if you have your Bible still open. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandments to seek the Lord, he did it, what does it say there? With all his heart. So he prospered. A first fruits is is so key because it represents all of our hearts. It represents that we are all in. that That we belong completely to God. Now Hezekiah's first priority was to seek to please God. His leadership, by example, became infectious among the people as they watched him put God first. And so it says, and soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought an abundance of the first fruits of grain, of honey. We read through all the things that that the people brought. The people followed the example joyfully, and they gave. It was easy for them. They watched him. They watched his passion and his love for God, and it was was infectious to them, and they they wanted to be a part of, of what God was doing. My question for you this morning, one of them is, who are you leading? Who are you leading? Who is it that is following after you? Whoever... That, is, 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 that you're leading is watching what you're doing, learning from what you're doing, and they are going to follow your lead. Just like the, Israel was following Hezekiah as a king, as, as a leader in the giving of first fruits and putting God first in their life, so too are other people around you watching your life and watching where you put your priorities and where you put God. As parents, Michelle and I uh, modeled for our children the value of Christianity. And in, here's some of the ways that we wanted to model that. We modeled it in worshiping Jesus as a priority. Not just the Sundays worshiping Jesus, but that during the course of the week, they heard us praising God, worshiping, and, and, and giving honor and glory to God. It's not uncommon to for them to come home for school and and we might be playing worship music and both of us, you know, worshiping the Lord or that we were praying as a family over another family uh, who had come to visit our home and uh, ministering to needs that are there. They, we did it also by serving others. We showed them how important it was to serve others. When Micah was really young, you know, we went into uh, her bedroom with her and and we were giving uh, our church at that time in, in Phoenix. We had this uh, around Christmas. We gave Gifts to kids uh, who we were bussing in, and a lot of them were were the parents very poor. There was a lot of issues, sometimes drug abuse and single family homes, different kinds of things going on. And so we would adopt kids, and we would buy them, you know, nice gifts. And we had a Sunday where we would present these. And uh, sometimes on Saturday we're driving out in the vans that we picked up kids, and we're uh, taking in. in Couple instances as I can recall, we actually took all of Christmas to homes. We brought a tree, we brought presents, we brought food, everything, because we knew that they did not have anything. And it was such a blessing. And we, taught, we brought our kids along to watch that, to be a part of it. But we went into Micah's uh, room when she was really young, and, and we, we said, We want you to, because we'd already given, you know, bought and purchased the gift that we were going to give to the, the, child, uh, the children that we had adopted as a, as a family. And we said we want you to find, you know, your best treasure, what you value the most, and you know, we want you to give that. And so we were not really expecting, you know, what what happened. But she went and found something that was of great value in in of of the treasures that she had, and she wanted to give that. And, and it was to the point where we were as parents saying, "Well, well, wait, wait, you know, but you also have this and this, you know." Because we recognized the value of what she was giving and how important it was to her. And she said, no, I want to do this. And so we let her, we let her go with us on the van and take this along with her, wrapped beautifully and given to this little girl. And it was just amazing, amazing. But those things do not happen accidentally. We have to model them and show them. Loving yourself as well as others Loving yourself as well as as, as others. Now, the Bible, I I think there's kind of a, you know, uh, we we forget a missing commandment, let's say. Jesus said, you know, that uh, love your neighbor. First of all, he said, love the Lord, first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and strength, right? He said, if you do that, everything else is going to be taken care of. Because there's going to be self-love if you love God, right? But, Often that doesn't happen. Jesus gave him a second commandment. He said, you know, love your neighbors. How did he say to love them? As yourself. And see, that's part of the problem in our society today is we are loving people like we love ourselves. And if we don't love ourselves, then that's how people are getting loved, right? And so it's so important that we teach, you know, this isn't like a narcissist class of any kind, but it's like we teach them to value yourself. You know, you don't have endless boundaries. You have boundaries. It's okay to say no to things at times. It's okay to, to care for yourself, to take care of your health, to take care of, of, of uh, your, your intellect and, and uh, everything else, you know, take care of you too so that you will be good to do the serving of others that God has called you to do, right? A lot of um, a lot of ministries nosedive and are destroyed because pastors, leaders didn't take care of themselves, and they become uh, in their in their weakness and tiredness, they become susceptible to temptations the enemy has laid in front of them. Temptations to take extra income. Temptations to Listen to uh, someone that is is heaping praise upon them, and and see that as that person really thinks a lot of me. We need to be together, kind of thing. And so it's important that we we do that. Uh, We taught them about asking for forgiveness, and how do we teach them uh, to ask for forgiveness? We didn't. (laughs) I, I would go to the bed of our kids at times at night, where I realized, you know, the course of the day, there was some, something that happened, something that I did. I said, "Dad, just needs to 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 ask you to forgive him. I I I didn't handle things properly when this situation happened in our home, and I'm just asking you to forgive me. I'm gonna be a better dad going forward. Remember one night I was I was doing that at." at at the foot of Micah's bed. There was something that had happened and I and, uh, was asking her, you know, forgive me. And I remember she, she's, she's like probably five and she just puts her hands on my head and she says, Daddy, I forgive you. And Jesus does too. <laughs> and, you know, but we were modeling for them that it's okay to ask for forgiveness, right? Taking responsibility. We we would teach them that people always do one of three things. They're going to lay blame, they're going to justify, or they're going to take responsibility. We want you to be the people who take responsibility. We want you always to take responsibility for your parts, your action. We want you to live as a person of responsibility. Stop laying blame. Stop trying to justify your actions. Just come clean. And in our home, that... uh, Sometimes I think we were sorry we taught that because, you know, the kids would be running around and, and they'd come screaming to into us, dad, you know, Zach's trying to lay blame, you know, dad, Amanda's justifying, you know, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but they got the picture, take responsibility, right? And uh, then lastly, in in all things, putting God first. We fought a lot of, of real battles as parents and you parents have too, I mean, some some real battles. We went to the mat for uh, the values, not, not all the little things. You don't have to go to the mat for everything that goes on in the household, right? Every disagreement, that kind of thing. But when it comes to values, we did. We had to go to the mat. And there were hard, hard battles. And uh, we waged those battles with our family, you know. And, and the, the difficulty, too, for all of us as parents is that, you know, our kids are surrounded by peers who live, love, and worship differently, Right? So they're not even worshiping God. They, there's idols and things that they're worshiping, and I'm not hearkening to, you know, you go to a home and there's a stone idol. I'm not, we talked about this last week, idolatry. There's, there's things that people are giving themselves to that are put first in their life, right? They're living differently. They're loving differently. You know, my, my kids were going to school with, with parents who thought it was okay for, you know, their 14 or 15-year-old daughter to, to uh, be active in a sexual way with, with someone else. And, and we were not teaching that. We're teaching that, you know, if, if a man can't love you, uh, I mean, if a man can't love God, he can't love you. And so God is the first love. And when you love him first, you're going to follow his guidance. And, and his guidance is that, you know, you're to be married and, and there needs to be a union there. There needs to be a complete commitment in relationship before you open yourself up intimately or you're going to destroy yourself mentally and physically. You're going to destroy your body and you're going to set yourself up for a lot of destruction. But they're going to school school, and hanging out with people whose values are completely different, right? So it's a challenge for us to keep things first. But here's, Moses warned the children of Israel uh, before they went into the promised land, uh, telling them this. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 25, When you shall have children and grandchildren, and you have been in the land for a long time, If you make graven images and corrupt yourselves and do evil in the sight of the Lord, your God will will provoke him to anger. I will call on the earth, heaven and earth, to witness against you this day. You will soon be driven off the land that you are crossing over to Jordan to possess. And the Lord will scatter you among the heathen until there are only a few of you left. There you will serve other gods made of wood and stone, man, God... That can, gods that cannot hear, uh, see, eat, or smell. But if you are there, um, you shall seek the Lord, your God, and shall find him if you seek him with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Moses is telling them that the key to staying right is to pursue God with all of your heart, with all of your mind. You don't even have to memorize all of the commandments. If you will just pursue God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, you're going to do what seeks to please Him. He's going to guide and direct your life. And the Holy Spirit convicts us in, in, uh, from doing things that we shouldn't do and, and leads us into things that we should do when we are pursuing God with all of our heart and with all of our mind. Listen, people, Christianity is not a weekend hobby. It's not a weekend hobby. It's it's it is it is a way of life and it it should be happening on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. We should be pointing our uh, those that are following us whether it's Uh, kids or someone that looks up to us or just another peer in the room that's kind of gazing over and seeing how we're living our life. We need to be living it to show that Christianity is a way of life. It's not just this weekend hobby. It's not just something that I do on on the weekend once in a while when, when I have some free time. It is the way I live my life. When I was looking for my spouse and, and looking for the person I was going to spend my life with, it had to be somebody who loved God with all of their heart as much as I loved God. I didn't have any room in my life to, uh, to build a relationship with someone whose passions were after something else. Because my life and my being is all about loving God and living for Him. I know He's real, right? Right? That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I know He's real. I have a personal relationship with Him. And I wanted a wife who loved God as much as I loved God, who was passionate about Him. I'll tell you, man, when I see Michelle worshiping God, man, it just ignites me. There's there's a fire of, you know, beyond romance that's ignited inside of me, watching her love on the Jesus I love and care about. And then she cannot, she cannot stand for God to be defamed in our society or his his name to be made fun of. I mean, you want to fight? Like just, you know, <laughs> just call her God out. You know, what I mean, it's and, and that's what I wanted in a relationship with I wanted somebody who was as passionate about Jesus and as passionate about God as I was. I wanted that person on my team for life, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a real devil out there, and, and sin uh, plays for keeps. Life on earth is short, and eternity is, is certain. You have an appointment with the judge of the universe. All of us do. All of us have an appointment with him. And when you see him uh, as the judge of the universe, what you want to see is him holding the first fruits that you gave him in his hands. That's what you want to see. You don't want to see a savior of the world, a judge of the universe, empty-handed, right? I want to see him holding what I have sacrificed to give. Some people think that like giving in an offering, you know, is, you know, it's like tipping God or whatever, you know, when I look at, I don't even know, I don't have my wallet here, hand me my wallet over there. Whoops, I made Micah pay attention. Oh, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a big bill in here? Hey. (laughs) I even have it in Spanish. So um, when I look at this money right here, and... uh, you know, really, seriously, I want you to understand this when, when you walk away from here today. When I, when I look at, at, at this money that I'm holding in my hand right now, this is, this is not printed paper by my government. This was compensation for a piece of my life I'm never getting back. For you, your employer is compensating you with this for a piece of your life you gave them that you will never get back. You know, there's, there's times that I have been called to, to, to do some things where I've missed something that my kids did, I, you know, and very rarely, because most of the time that was, that was high priority, but there were sometimes it was emergency situations, And uh, I, I missed a moment in their life. You know, you who go away for eight hours a day, and all of us do, and you have an infant baby in the home, and they, they're growing up, and, and they say something that day to the daycare worker, or to mom instead of dad. Are you hearing me, are you hearing me? And your employer goes, here. And you're like, that's trash. I want to that moment back. I want my life back. And so when we think about this, we shouldn't take it lightly. God receives it the way I'm talking about it right now. When you put it in the offering plate, God says, "You just put a piece of yourself there that you're never getting back. Something that you sacrificed and gave so you can provide for your family. I receive it as a sweet-smelling offering in my presence. God loves and values what you are doing with the treasures of your life. He receives it and he says, I recognize what that means. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? When you put five, twenty, a hundred, five hundred, a thousand in the offering plate, do you know? Do you know what you are doing? You're saying, God, I gave up. Peace in my life. I'm never getting back to employer, the provision, the job that you've gave me. I'm grateful for that opportunity. There are things that I couldn't do because I had to do this. But you're number one in my life, and so first fruits out of my life I'm offering up to you. And God says, thank you, I receive that. When I see God, I want him, you know, holding the first fruits that I put in his hands, The best of me, the most valuable pieces of me that, Are in the hands of God. But I said, I value you more than anything else in the world. The first fruits of my time, the first fruits of my talents and gifts, first fruit of my resources and finances. Hezekiah put his first fruits treasure in God. At this point in the message, and I'm getting ready to close, I I feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to make what seems like an obvious point, an obvious observation. And that is in two ways. First, Hezekiah was not perfect. He was simply all in for God. He was not a perfect father. He wasn't a perfect leader. He wasn't a perfect king. He was just all in for God. He said, since the people began to bring offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. The Lord has blessed the people. I wanna also make the point about Michelle and I that you understand, I know you do, but I, I I want you to take this away. We're not perfect. We haven't been the best to each other in our marriage and relationship at times. We have not been the best parents on the planet. But all of that said, there's one thing that hopefully would stand out about our life under close examination, and that is that God has always been first, always. There's never been a time that we've sat down and, had, and said, you know, forget it. You know, let's, let's repart out towards our life and not have, you know, give away all of our funds or give away all of our time and our, our talents and our treasure. There's never been one single moment like that, that. You know, even in the worst of the struggles in our family, it's always been, God, you're first. God, you're first. We place you first. And there's a decision, and I'm inviting our worship team to come back. There's a decision that you can make today that will change your outcomes going forward. If you haven't liked the way things have been, if, you, if you've been weary of the results that you've had in your career field, in your marriage, in your family, in your friendships, in your personal health, then I want to encourage you to change the way that you've been living, Okay. And what I want to encourage you to do is that you prioritize and put God first. How do you know if you have put God first? I want you to watch carefully this week, your decision making processes, little decisions and big decisions. And how involved is God in that? When our kids got uh, injured, fell on their knees, scra- you know, scraped their knees or got a bloody nose or whatever. We would deal immediately with the the 911 part of the situation but right away we pray right away we prayed okay and then if we needed to go to the doctor we went to the doctor right and uh but right away we prayed i remember i was out and we were in las vegas i was up on a ladder doing something i shouldn't be doing and uh back there they don't have grass you know in the desert we have no grass and i fell off that ladder onto all the rocks that were down below and i hit my head and and uh, opened up a nice size little that's what's wrong with me if any of you've been wondering (laughs) was that fall in las vegas um but i remember uh, michelle came out first and then the rest of the kids and it was uh i think it was zach that announced let's pray for dad (laughs) and so before i got to go to the doctor and get stitched up i got to get prayed for right and i that oh man that that like, it was so encouraging to me. That's, that's what we do. That's the way we live our life. I want you to personally and closely examine the decision-making patterns of your life. What point does God get entered into it, okay? that's Whether they're little or big decisions, like, I what am I wearing today? Or, you know, where are we going to go eat? Or where does God enter the process? Where, or does he at all, okay? I want you to think through that and watch that. Because if you find that you're putting God first, your career opportunities are going to change. Marriage uh, that is fulfilling is going to change. Now listen, I didn't say you're going to get a raise at work or everything you know, everything's going to be great. Uh, some of you might. But career opportunities, when you align yourselves, I just told you how much I love the ministry. When you get aligned with what God's called you to do, work doesn't seem like work, right? I mean, it's a joy to be a part of. They have to peel you away from it, right? Michelle loves what she does in her career field, and there's times I have to tear away from it. Say, so you're done for the day. Let's go. And uh, you know, she, and then, of course, the whole drive out to eat, I hear all about the things that she did that day and what an amazing person she is. <laughs> uh, you're going you're gonna to see a family that worships together when you prioritize God. Friendships that will enrich your life, not suck the life out of, Right? Friendships that will enrich your life. You're going to have a clarity on living healthy and, and, and motivation to do it, right? Motivation, God's going to motivate you to live healthy. There's going to be clarity about it. But you're going to have to change and prioritize Him and bring Him first fruits and say, God, this is the way I'm demonstrating to you. I am all in. I belong to you. And the decisions that I'm making on my day-by-day basis. You are engaged in everyone, the whole process. Will you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> Can you just take a moment in your own heart and say, God, I want to put you first. Show me where I haven't been putting you first. Show me this morning where, where I've not been putting you first. Is it in serving? You've been appointed to serve. Is it in giving? You've been appointed to give. Show me, God, where I'm not putting you first, where I'm not prioritizing you. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us right now, Jesus. Jesus, speak to our hearts. Praise you, Father. Heavenly Father, as we worship together as a congregation, we want to enthrone you in our worship. We want to lift up your name, praise you. But in our lives living going forward, we want you to be first. We want everyone to see it and know it. Most of all, us. You're number one in everything we see and do and think about. We're prioritizing you. Thank you, Jesus.